Hello, welcome back to the Grand Slam Tennis Podcast. Tennis commentator Thomas Lorek is back on the pod as we look ahead to the next-gen ATP Finals and get to know this year's diverse field. We discuss this year's new innovation, wearable technology, the continuation of the short-set system and what all of this does for TV audiences. There's a hats off to Ross Hutchins and if you don't know your Farrah's from your Q-Bots, catch Thomas's overview of the World Tour Finals doubles lineup, including how Mike Bryan discovered one of his rivals in Slovakia. But first, we talked the draw in Milan, thankfully done in a coffee shop this time. There's a couple of pretty well-established names in there, aren't there? But there are also a few players a lot of fans will not really have heard of uh, or know much about. Uh, so in that sense, this tournament has quite a different feel to previous years, doesn't it? It feels like more of a uh, a kind of big stage introduction of young talent rather than kind of getting to know players we already know pretty well. Uh, so I, I wanted to ask you, of this field, who do you think is going to surprise and excite audiences? Who do you think we should be uh, looking at who we might not know much about? I think uh, the French guy, Hugo Humbert, who was uh, a surprise package at Wimbledon this mm. year, fourth round, which is an amazing achievement for a young bloke. Uh, the purist of tennis used to say that he is a mixture of uh, Henri Lacombe and uh, Guy Forger. So, <laughs> yeah, sounds fantastic. <laughs> How come? <laughs> Why would you say that? Yeah, and he, because he, he truly mixes both guys. Mm. With Rakati's fabulous game, and not I, I believe not only the sense of humor he, he <laughs> collected from Aurel Rakati because he's a great guy in terms of showmanship. Not only a fabulous player, he was a runner-up at the Grand Slam years ago, but uh, and Guy Forget obviously got a different style to Aurel Lacan, But I think Hugo Humbert is is the guy to watch. Uh, not only because he left home when he was twelve. And, and he travelled to, to practice in Paris instead of doing his drills in Metz. But he really has an interesting game. But the other bloke, uh, who is still underrated, I guess, and former IDF world champion, is a great guy uh, called Janik Kacmanovic from Serbia. He, he had to travel to a uh, similar way like Kanish Kori years ago. He had to travel from Serbia to Florida with his aunt his parents couldn't someone has to earn the money for living so they, he left his parents in Serbia and he flew to Florida without knowing a word in English so it's, it's a great story it's totally contrast to Hugo Humbert who had the privilege to have a French Federation and obviously great coaches around and also he's a great piano player which is amazing yeah, mm. to, to be a good piano player Hugo Humbert I think thanks to his sister he's a great uh, musician and it also makes your, your mind a bit fresher because of uh, mostly the players are uh, they live in, in the flats in, in the rooms studying on strategies trying to find a way to do mm. and, uh, well if it, if Umber yeah. is a elegant pianist I feel like Kekmanovic is a, a heavy metal guitarist isn't he he's um He's a he's a big guy, isn't he? Right, and he he's. Yes. I saw him play uh, Baena at Wimbledon, actually in the first round of Wimbledon, and he he beats him fairly comfortably. Um, and he's he's only six foot, isn't he, Kekmanovic? But he's he's yes. built so he's so wide, isn't he? And so stocky. 
Um, he's great to watch, isn't he? What can we expect on the court from him? Because I know some people might not see him play. I think Karabatin, uh, his uh, coach, he's, he was a pretty average player, but he wasn't as successful as Zimonic, Troitsky, Tipsarevich, or Mr. Djokovic, but all the Serbians, uh, they have a special will to win and a fabulous determination to step up the ladder and become a top player, no matter what the conditions are on. Even tougher the way, the way they do, they develop the talents. It's Kismanovic is another pure example of how strong you have to be mentally, not only physically, to jump over all the obstacles. And I think, as you mentioned, having guitar, heavy metal guitarist, uh, he, he's the one, like, he can also play very good on the grass courts, not only hard courts, indoors. So Kismanovic can be a, a huge threat for, for all his uh, rivals, no matter what, what the conditions are. And I believe Allianz Cloud will be even better this year. And um, we've had this uh, last-minute replacement, Shapovalov pulled out. We've had Fakina yeah. come in, who's a 20-year-old Spanish player. He got the semi-finals in Estoril earlier this year. He's 87 in the world. Uh, tell us what you know about him. Fantastic. I watched him play, as you mentioned, Estoril in Portuguese, uh, on Portuguese clay this season. He was fantastic to watch with drop shots. You know, he's, he's a very unique player in terms of a new generation. He mixes up, like, he can play very flat balls. He can play a lot of slides, a lot of rotate, a lot of top spin. And he also, the drop shot is fabulous, even, obviously, clay court is the best service to do it, but he can he can do so many successful drop shots on hard court, which is far more tougher to, to anticipate, to know what kind of pace you're going to play with. So, I think uh, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina is the guy, like last year, Jaume Munar, uh, who had a warm word from Rafa Nadal. So I think the Spanish school, maybe they don't produce many talents like years ago with Lopez, Verdasco, Ferrer, Nadal. Um, now they have two players really on a big scale, on a big stage, like I think Alejandro Davidovich-Makina is, is prepared to play on a really great court. And as you said, there's, there's the biggest uh, platform for the young talents to perform. I believe he can be a threat even to Alex Deminor, who I guess is the top hot favorite with free time under his belt mm. this season. So mm. Alex Deminor, with the way uh, Danny Shapovalov uh, retired because of his fatigue, and he can't play this season because of his body require a bit of a rest, which is amazing on the other hand, Finn, because look at this. Last year, Shapovalov also retired from next gen. So it made the way to uh, Hubert Hurkacz, Polish top singles player. Hugo Humbert was ninth and he said, I am determined to do it this season. That's why he was so focused on qualifying for next gen top players. But I think Shapovalov has a different route of uh, philosophy, like we have usually former semi finalists of US Open help to be a better player and he won Stockholm this year. So I think Shapovalov is looking at the big picture. Which is amazing because being in his shoes, I would love to use this chance to to win it. Possibly because the, the money is good, which is not not so uh, unrealistic. And 
I think both winners like City Pass last year and Chung two years ago. It was, they were both undefeated champions, so mm. you can really have a big prize money mm. and play and adjust yourself and see yourself on the in a rivalry with your with your generation. Not not what you normally do when you play farm or older players on mm. ATP or Grasslands. Yeah, it's interesting you say that actually. Maybe he feels he's better now. So mm. I love his game style with his with his one handed backhand, but possibly he feels like this is much better to playing against Djokovic like in Barcelona mm. Sunday. Yeah, well, as you say, it is a good chance to play these players of your generation, isn't it? Because Dimonor, for example, has not played any of the players in his group in an ATP tour-level match. So it is it is a good chance, isn't it, in a way, to kind of uh, get a bit, a bit of a sighter on some of these players and work out how you're going to play them next year because inevitably... They're all going to kick on next year and maybe play each other in uh, on bigger stages, aren't they? What is a, what is amazing thing? All eight players who competed in this season, in this year's next gen ATP finals in Milan, uh, all all of them are ranked in the in top hundred, which mm. hasn't happened year before or two years ago. Right, that's that's surprising. That's surprising. So I looked at this draw, and I must say, I'll just say it actually for listeners who don't know. In Group A, it's Alex Diminor. Then Kasper Rude, then Miamir Kekmanovic, as we've been talking about, and then Alejandro Davidic uh, Fokina as well. And then uh, in Group B, it's Francis Tiafo, Ugo Mbert, Mikel Ima, and then Yannick Sinner, who we'll speak about in a second, actually. I, I, I was looking at that draw and thinking, oh, it's not, it's not as strong, maybe, as previous years, where you had Sitsipas, you had um, Chung, Taylor Fritz, yeah. But maybe I'm wrong. Do you think this is the strongest next gen lineup yet? Then no, I think uh, the previous years were far far stronger, especially with Russians playing. Mm. You can see now the Russian wave is, is such a strong. No matter if it's Medvedev who will play the need to ATP finals in London, or Hachinov or Rublev. Uh, yeah, it was Jared, Jared David, Jared. Uh, Donaldson, American guy mm. who used to play on clay courts in Argentina when he was a teenager. So, yeah, so many great players. Uh, but I think, obviously, Felix, Felix Ajali, as him, he would play 100%, if not his mm. left ankle injured. Yeah, practice. But I think sometimes you don't need to have big guns. I know they try to promote the whole year with a big uh, tournament. Native, he does a great job, brilliant job for next generation stars upcoming talents but sometimes people like Mikhail Imer for example who was 288 that time last year and now he's, he's top 100 so uh, I think that's a chance and possibly the people can watch the guy who has uh, African roots and play for Sweden and he's going to be the first and what, what's another interesting fact I think he's going to be the first Swedish player in singles since Robin Paul uh, Sutherland twice run up Ron Gauss first meant to be draft on clay court the first Swedish player to finish the season in top 100 so 2011 oh. was last time Swedish guy oh. was that that high like Sutherland so they wait 8, eight years to have a guy in, in, uh, in top 100 wow yeah it's been a long way and he's, he's got a brother in fact hasn't he as well Elias um, Ema yeah, who's, yeah. who's just outside the top 100 so um, might get two at once, <laughs> the Swedish tennis fans, uh, which is good. Um, 
Let's just have a word on Yannick Sinner as well, because he's the youngest man in the draw. He's 18, born in August 2001, which uh, is staggering, isn't it? Uh, but he had a good run in Antwerp recently, didn't he? Did you see any of that? Yes, I've seen. I, I did his match against Camille Mikesak. Right, he yeah. Camille easily. Then Gael Monfils, he played a fabulous match against Gael Monfils. Straight sets. Uh, people used to say or try to explain the thing like Gael was uh, exhausted after agents swing, but there's no way to uh, say a bad word about Yannick Sinner. Amazing player who used to, oh, he should have been Alberta Tomba, yes. <laughs> Ski alpine skier. Uh, that's what he was brought up as a San Candido man in, in Tyrol. So obviously, I do believe when he was 12, Andreas Seppi, a very experienced player on ATP tour from Bolzano, because he's only one hour drive from Bolzano to hometown of uh, Yannick Zinner, he just noticed his amazing talent, and then that was the way to explain Ricardo Piatti, former Ivan Lubicic uh, mentor and coach to see this is the next prospect he's going to play some interest in tennis and Yannick Zinner the way he played in Antwerp uh, should have been a signpost for anybody even Francis Tiapo should fear of his skills because Zinner is a very versatile player also he, wa- he wants to come to the net he, he's very precise when doing it and baseline grand strokes from baseline are second to none so he's the one to watch and we've mentioned that Diminor should be the favourite right he's 18 in the world he's he's had a really really strong year but do you think who do you think is going to come out on top between him and TFO if it comes down to those two because I feel like they're the they should be comfortable enough right although this format does make it a bit harder to have comfortable matches, doesn't it? So we'll speak about that in a second. But what do you think it is between those two, and who who do you think out of those two is looking more impressive right now? Mm, Alex Zeminor, I guess, uh, with the way he played in Juhai against Manorino, and the way he played in Basel, especially Basel was uh, obviously you cannot expect him to, to have a, a fantastic final battle against Federer, but all the other blows he. He concurred on the way to the final and switching doors was just really impressive and he's a very smart guy. I think the, the best runner, the way he moves from baseline to the net and also drop the lane and, and also lobs everything, tweeners, that's, it's such a huge prospect. And I think part of it is because he he's experienced enough with three titles under his belt in Sydney, Atlanta. He beat Taylor Freeze in Georgia this year. And Juhai, when you have a when you when you're so young and you win three titles on the ATP tour, uh, even if it's two fifties, you you still have a momentum and you still try to start to believe in yourself. And he's very, I should say, humble. Yeah, that even he is very successful. He is top eighteen in the world right now. And, uh, I can imagine he will be hot favorite. It's the question how he's going to behave being out favourite like last year everyone expected City Pass to win and he had a battle in the final against Deminor. But I think Alex can he can handle with the pressure pretty well. That's that's his secret weapon like he, he knows he's been in that area, he played the third round Aussie Open against Nadal. So he knows what what's at stake when you play on the big stage. 
Leist And there are a couple of new rules to speak about, of course. Um, the the new rule this year is um, the introduction of wearable technology. So just bear with me a second. I'll just explain it to listeners. Um, so th- this is basically going to be a GPS receiver and inertial sensors, apparently, um, that are going to be put on players. It's going to allow them to, uh, in the ATP's words, quantify the demands of the competition uh, better understand athlete loading and make key performance decisions um, that are supported with objective data. So basically measuring um, player speed, acceleration, uh, rotation, body orientation. I don't really know what that means, but uh, and it's also going to quantify internal load um, through heart rate. Um, so this is going to be accessible to each player and to their coaches as well. Um, what do you think about this, Thomas? And I wanted to ask you as well as a TV broadcaster, are you going to be allowed to integrate this data into your uh, coverage? Are you going to be able to see what the players are seeing? Yeah, and the f- good question, Finn, fabulous one. With the way the tennis is developing and progressing, uh, some Aussie coach, when I was uh, traveling for Aussie Open to cover uh, told me that science has not really entered the doorstep of tennis so I think this is the first step when when they bring a lot of new technology body orientation or rotations or how many meters you the distance you run through the, during the rallies or which part of do you, do you use more discord red cord or uh, how strong was the net clearance how often you come to the net or you or your grandson, your baseline player. So I think it's it's all new uh, from the TV broadcasting uh, perspective. It's much, far more interesting. I'm I'm not a big fan of too much too much data collecting because people uh, have too many data tonight today. Whether it's no matter what kind of human activity it is, but I think in tennis uh, it's very knowledgeable and it. That can explain a lot of things like the tactics, the strategy, the physical preparation of a player. So, in that way, I'm a big fan of it, and I'd love the new flashlight. They can talk to the coaches uh, between when they have the changeovers through the headphones, uh, or they can study the data. Or I like the idea where people can move on in the stands, uh, despite behind baseline so that that's a good thing and plus the shorter warm-up is also a good point like it really brings the dynamic of the game interesting fact Finn uh, Matteo Berrettini when they had the, the Italian playoffs two years ago and a year ago was below 450 and he, he lost to Filippo Baldi two years ago seeing that right now <laughs> yeah he, he wasn't he wasn't top eight two years ago or good enough among Italians to qualify for the next gen. Now he's top eight. He's going to play Nito in London. So that's unbelievable. In, in that way, that tournament is, is bringing some new new thing. I think even the the way they they made the draw or they, they selected the groups two years ago, even with the the Red Bulls and a bit of the hostesses, some purists were against it, but I think. You need because the the young people always the young generation 
bring something new, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's sports. So I wouldn't be so strict on them because that also brings a bit of entertainment to, into the drawing ceremony. So mm. yeah, in that case, I think all the data, I know the, the coaches and players will have the hidden signs to not to tell everything to the audience because that would ruin the strategy or tactical preparation. But in a way, Ross Hutchins as a tournament director with Sergio Palmieri, they do a really good job with showing a new, fresher face of tennis by they bringing the lead rule this year again. So, so I think few are very traditional, few rules are, are very modern. So that's a good combination, good mixture. Well, yeah, the ATP have been very proud in saying that the uh, the tournament won a Yahoo Innovation uh, Prize last year uh, for for innovation in sport or something. It's certainly it's certainly been a bold project, hasn't it? The next gen finals, and it's good to see them trying these things. Um, I wanted to ask with the with the headsets um, and the communication with coaches on court. Do you think that's something your your TV audiences care about? Do you think that's improved the viewer experience? Mm-hmm. I mean, people when they email us or when they tweet or when they bring their own opinions, and I believe they not only tennis die-hard fans, they also normal customers and just people who watch sports live on the telly. They they were not happy with uh, with the way they do it at the WTA tour when the coach is going down and talks to the lady specific areas how to improve the game or whatever strategy or how to change the footwork or whatever they love the way they, they do the things in next gen when they speak through the handsets obviously you, you cannot open up totally to the wall saying everything but from tv viewers perspective it's very knowledgeable and a new one they, they want to have more interaction like this between even more often i would say as far as i remember from from the posts or from tweets from the public they would love to see more interaction between the player and the coach even if something is totally hidden for them or they don't always understand what's going on but it's it, it brings the new perspective and new format or new way to see or they they, they try i think to appreciate the, the viewer original uh got more extraordinary viewers well know but just the normal customer will find out oh this is the one they appreciate far better the efforts from the coaches because they can see the work the coach does on a regular daily basis plus the player to, to be able to analyze and then convert it to, to his success so that's a good thing and we were talking about some of the innovations that have been um that have been kept or have been dropped since the next gen final started the scoring system is going to be the same um for people who don't know it's short sets to four games the tiebreak at three all, and then you also have no advantages as well. It's sudden death every game. Um, I wonder, do you think this is is it is this just going to remain in the next gen finals, or are we ever going to see this expanded? Because um, yeah, we're in the third year of the tournament now. Not really any sign that this particular rule is going to influence the rest of the, the sport. Um, do you think it really works as well? I think it works. Uh, the doubles, we've seen it in Bercy in Paris when uh, a fabulous player who hasn't played on a tour for four years, Philip Polash from Slovak Republic, he's been discovered by Mike Bryan. Mike Bryan had a Slovakian girlfriend. He, he traveled to 
Slovakian holidays. He he saw Filipovic he playing uh, with kids in little local club Piston. He said, you, "You're good enough to play regular tour now." He's he's been in the semi-final of Wimbledon. He's going to play the neat ATP finals with Ivan Dodik. And I think that the double system, what they do with the, with the super tiebreaker, uh, top ten points. That's a magical rule, and I think that's that's the direction singles also has to go through. I'm, I'm I'm a bit amazed and sad in a way that the rules they try to incorporate through the next gen finals in Milan for Verdi, they still hasn't opened the door, mm. and it's still I think that I'm not sure what the problem is. Whether it's people are or the tennis public, tennis audience is so unique in a way that they don't want too many revolutionary moves or too many rule changes. Uh, and I think, but traditionalists should should do some, you know, research and see the, the new generation. It's not only to please the, the young people, but you need to fight for uh, new people into the sport. Mm-hmm. And I think the rule with uh, no ads, it's fantastic. It's the same like doubles decided point when it's it's used. You get the receiver to choose who's going to return. That's fantastic because it brings the excitement into the game. And I think that I know they tried to make it shorter the doubles game. It, it is dynamic anyway with the natural way the doubles are played. But I think uh, the next gen is still having a problem, or maybe it's five year or even ten years to to convince the purist that you should really know add into the game. And Rodic, I remember years ago, he said, there's no point to have second serve. That would be a fantastic rule. Uh, and Rodic, former world number one, former US mm. champion, said, bring only one serve. That would bring fantastic. Possibly. I'm, I'm not sure. Well, it's it's good idea. I, I would love to have it a go at, uh, at the big events. I think the way they did with the tiebreakers, uh, it's different in your line, but I think tennis is evolving. But I think the whole, the old guard is trying to to keep it as it was 50 years ago. Mm. Maybe next gen needs the next five years or next six years to, to convince the, the guys at the top of the government or ATP authorities to, or ITM authorities to do to bring it more into Grand Slams. So. Mm. Mm. I, I think it needs a bit of a tradition. That's that's the way. I think that's that's how people from tennis look at it. And as we, as as you were saying just before we just before I start, I uh, hit record. Actually, you were you were saying that you reckon that the new rules attract people to the next gen finals, attract your mm-hmm. audiences to the next gen finals. You're right. I think ACP bosses need to and and WCA bosses, tennis administrators generally need to notice that these rules are interesting in themselves and they're going to change viewing habits and draw bigger audiences, maybe, aren't they? Because people don't have time to sit down to even a long best-of-three set match, do they? Because that could be two and a half hours. Like People don't have time and they don't want to either a lot of the time unless you're a big tennis fan. Look at this. Look at this. Men's doubles final at Wimbledon this year. Fantastic. I'm a big fan of doubles. Uh, I'd love to come and country and I don't have to watch it just just for my own pleasure but I know for the ordinary viewer five hours even if it's such a beautiful spectacle like it was between Kabal Farah against Mayu Rajabaslan this was the best I can imagine maybe the 
Sark five years ago at Wimbledon was also a fantastic magical final. But for the normal guy who sits on a sofa, as you said, five hours in front of a TV set, it's just, you, you can't go that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so you need, I, I'm not a big fan of, of a huge revolution, but the way they do it at, at uh, with a towel rack as well, possibly it's, it's nice innovation. I wouldn't say every, every single tournament, but that, that's another good point why like they, they try to incorporate so Ross Hutchins hats off. No matter if it's tennis or any other sport thing, we not always appreciate the people who are courageous enough to bring new things, new ideas. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to say a big thank you to the guys. Maybe, I know sometimes they can feel frustrated why why the world don't understand us, but, but that's the way it is, unfortunately. You need to spend a few years making people brains working in different modes hmm. we should just say as well as uh, uh video uh, reviews also happen at the next gen finals so that's for like double bounces net touches encroachment onto the other other side of the court and as we know that's worked a charm in football <laughs> um at the minute in the uk we're in the we're in the throes of a video assistant referee crisis uh, so um <laughs> Maybe hopefully the next gen finals will show a show a better way of officiating with uh, video technology. But you mentioned there um, about doubles, Tomash. Just before we start recording, you were saying that um, Polstrat TV are going to cover every single doubles match of the next gen finals, right? So I don't know. Tell us a bit about that. What, what you're looking forward to? I know it's next week, but um, it should be exciting finals, shouldn't it? Yeah, the way I think there's so many characters, uh, there's still a lot of work to be done to um, promote the top doubles players worldwide because they're fantastic people off like Bruno Fracasuaris, he doesn't play this year in London because he stopped playing with Jamie and he plays with Mate Pavic, a lefty from Croatia, a great player from Croatia. But I think they have such a like Raven class and it's a fantastic personality. When you talk to him for half an hour during the Grand Slam after the match, he's, he's like an open book. You can, just you don't want to stop reading or to, to try to explore every single second they're very nice guys um interesting for also not for a diehard tennis fan but also for the guy aside like uh, as you as you know sarah's story of iraq and everything is just not only his wonderful lobs on court with jamie murray in the past but and his grandson titles or mixed doubles titles but I think, uh, yeah, the doubles, Mai and uh, Albert, the mm. reunion after Albert decided to play singles, mm. be a top singles player. I think the French guys will be a threat for everybody. Cabal Farah, this is just fabulous what they showed us this year, both at Wimbledon and the US Open. Uh, first ever Colombians to, to win grand slam titles. Lukas Kubert and Marcelo Mello. Another, even Lukas has started the season with and another guy who doesn't have the exposure and as you should get it. Horacio Sebastian from Argentina, from Arthur Plata on the Atlantic coast. He's a fantastic lefty doubles player. And the way he played Indian Wallace this year, just fantastic with Magnich. So that you go Raven Glass and Michael Venus, you get Germans, Kevin uh, Kravitz and Andreas Mies, the run the Roland Garros champions. So you can't have a great bigger field 
of course, Brian's they don't play, which is a shame. But but also the the Dominic classic uh, combination, especially with the story of a guy who was for four years on the sidelines of a professional tour. This is a, a unique thing to to explore. So I I believe the doubles will will have a great attendance. I knew I know the viewing figures from the doubles final at Wimbledon uh, were fantastic, even if it's been on pay per view. So. Fantastic. Well, we wish you a great week of coverage um, uh, for the for the next gen finals, Thomas. Thank you so much for speaking with us again. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's been lovely to speak to you.